0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: Bah, bah, bah. I just want to make sure it was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's that's how you should start all these podcasts.
1: Yeah, right? Just yeah. random
0: gibberish? Just a good blah, blah, blah to get them yeah. really... Really ready for the type of content we're gonna give them.
1: You know what? I feel like we're we kind of like have this untapped market of like. See, I feel like we're we're so elegant right now. We, Mm -hmm. we, we kind of like our key demographic is just so intelligent and (laughs) so sophisticated. I think we need to like humble ourselves. Like take take a few seconds at the beginning of every podcast. Should just speak hick, you know what I mean? Like how we were talking about before the podcast, <laughs> right? Just go full Boomhauer so that everyone feels like they're chill. Yeah, this is this is a place where you can be you. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I might okay. actually keep this in if I'm being <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Why not? Ten out of ten. <laughs> Hello and welcome to indie Pod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week, we are bringing you an amazing four indie games news stories before we hop into our news cramp segments, which, god, there's so much more indie games news out there that we can even really cover in depth. It's kind of excessive. Uh, then we also are going to talk about some awesome indie games on fig this week. Pew, 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 pew. Got that fig. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Um,
0: <laughs> almost, almost said Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> I did. I was like seconds away from it. It's always like I'm seconds away from fucking anything up. Isn't that kind of <laughs> nice? Like knowing in life, no matter what you do, you're seconds away from fucking shit up. So why not just embrace it? Yeah. Like I why mean, not? That be seems fine to be your whole it? theme. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I was so terrified for the longest time. And I was so insecure about my intelligence that I, like, would get really confrontational with people who said I was stupid. Or, like... <laughs> oh, jeez. Not that people would necessarily say I was stupid, but people who, Yeah, like, like how often
0: I, is that happening?
1: I, quite often. Uh, you'd oh, be surprised. No. But, um... <laughs> uh, Like... I would get so confrontational with people who seem to have like I don't know just thought I wasn't as intelligent as I thought I was or something like that but then you eventually just come to the realization that like you're a fucking idiot and like comparatively I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson okay I'm not even Bill Nye I I'm just like this little cockroach on the floor of the planet earth and I'm just gonna be chill, with being a little cockroach, you know.
0: Ah, like, uh, for all the animals to compare yourself <laughs> to.
1: I'm a disgusting bug. Um. All right yeah. then. <laughs> uh but before we get to, into any of that, I would like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside the my illustrious co-host, because I'm I'm like mush mouthing right now, dude. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I started this off in a weird way, and now I'm all thrown off. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Getting uh, all hot but, and bothered.
1: Exactly. I'm I'm flustered, okay? <laughs> uh, my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, are Josh Boyz. How you doing today, big Josh Boy?
0: I'm doing well, thank you for asking. How are you? Uh,
1: I am fan freaking test Well, I mean, to be honest, I was like crying like 30 minutes ago, but that's because Whoa. I was watching Afterlife on Netflix. It's uh, like a Ricky Gervais show mm-hmm. about this guy... Who is like he was desperately in love with his wife, and then she dies of cancer.
0: Oh, and I don't like stories like that.
1: Yeah, dude, that freaking that got me.
0: Dude, it's nuts. Um, so I don't know why that triggered uh, something in my brain, but like thinking about how I used to be mentally as a kid versus now as uh, an, an adult, um, there's so many things that you take for granted of like not letting your mind wander in certain ways. Like, um, as a kid, you don't really have a fear of death or you don't really have a fear of kind of what comes next or repercussions of certain actions that happen. And that ignorance is so bliss. Like I think about it all the time now. So right now, You know, my wife isn't traveling because of this uh, coronavirus incident um, or pandemic. I don't want to call it incident. That (laughs) kind of puts it lower on the totem pole of what it is. That might downplay it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But (laughs) this whole pandemic. So normally she's an event planner. So she travels all around the world. And every time, like she's been doing this for a good like two years now. And like she's constantly in and out. But every time. I always, like, panic. I'm like, this is going to be it. She's not going to come back. The plane's going to crash. Like, I just, I have this this huge just problem with always considering what is the worst thing that could happen. It always comes up. I don't know why. I wish I could train myself to, like, chill, but I just always panic, and I ne- I was never like that as a kid. I don't know what it is about being an adult that I just became neurotic about this kind of stuff, and it's awful. Dude,
1: I do that exact same thing. Like, uh, I am, I mean, we've kind of, like, heavily documented my fears on this podcast, but (laughs) here's one I want to talk about that has been really bothering me recently. I live in an apartment, and my upstairs neighbor, for some reason, I swear to God, has, like, one, elephant feet, and two, this guy drops so many things. (laughs) Like, the biggest butterfingers I've ever seen in my fucking life, okay? Like, I don't think... I think he's probably banned from most, like, sports. Because it's just excessive at this point. (laughs) Maybe not soccer. Like, he could play soccer. Okay? But, like, in baseball, 100%. No way. He'd drop the ball. He'd throw the bat. Like, he'd be fucking all sorts of shit up. Because every five fucking seconds... There's the loudest bang upstairs and I do not understand it. One time they coincidentally dropped something that sounded like a bowling ball, I swear. Oh um <laughs> they dropped something and then our power went out. And I was like, "Jesus, did a bomb just go off?" Oh my what God. the fuck just happened? And I like went up there and I was like, "Hey, like you guys don't got power either? Like you dead? What's Are you up? De-
0: what you doing up there?" <laughs>
1: Yeah, like there's some ske- some sketchy shit going on, like uh you guys okay? And uh apparently it was fine, but yeah. They drop Jeez. shit all the time. That's and so how this comes in with my fears is I literally like it's like right when I try to go to bed at night. He just fucks with shit, I swear. <laughs> like every night. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Like you go to work slightly after me i know you do i've like i've had to stay home one day and i've seen you go to work why are you going to bed when i do like i don't understand that one <laughs> and two why do you make so much noise that i don't sucks, get it dude i yeah. don't,
0: i've had some of the worst luck as well with ne- like neighbors because me and my wife have, have always lived in apartments and uh and it has always, I don't know why, we just always have the worst luck. Um, recently, I think they moved out, but like in the past uh, year or so, the place we're at now, there's just some guy who always gets home at two in the morning and decides now's the time to play with the dog bone and like start tossing something with, with the dog. So I always hear like, and then like a dog like scampering around. And I'm like, what are you doing at this time? Why?
1: Honestly, it's not even the sounds that keep me up. It's like I hear the sound, and I know it's just him, but then I get into my own head, and I'm like, what if it's a burglar, though? Like, what if (laughs) some person, some... deranged criminal has for some reason come into my apartment which if he knew what i had he'd be like that's uh, that's not even worth it like all these collectibles and
0: video game physical (laughs) copies
1: be like sweet i could steal six hollow knight plushes like
0: what i mean maybe he's a, a really big fan and he's been looking for him and you're yeah, the only one on the block too that's got it yeah
1: <laughs> um but i constantly think about that and it like seriously keeps me awake for hours that's hilarious
0: yeah i'm and not i'm not that crazy but
1: <laughs> yeah dude that that fucking shit's so crazy i get into my head so much like and the weirdest erotic shit, like, however, have I ever told you the time that I almost threw up because I thought there was too much cheese on my pizza?
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, that happens just in my everyday life, where I'll be, like, just walking around and being like, I don't know if I just stepped in something, and it's like, I'll check my shoes, and I'll be like, oh, I'm fine, and then walk, like, ten more steps and be like, Ugh but like did I really like maybe I didn't see it though yeah exactly and I'll think about it for hours (laughs) and I don't understand why it like bothers me more than anything how big of an idiot I am and how like weirdly obsessive about the dumb little shit that happens it like
0: the true psychological struggles
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I I get you dude like I said before the podcast like really i feel like people have documented the whole like soulmates thing in a really weird way where they're like nah it can only be like it's it's like the person you're meant to spend your life with is your wife it's your husband it's like your partner and everything and i'm like nah, nah dude it's your friend okay and me and big josh boy we're soulmates because we're like he we're we're the same okay okay <laughs> Uh, I mean maybe you're not as weird as me but we're like we're pretty close. That's close. Okay. We're close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a podcast about indie games. So let's let's hop into it. You've been playing a game called Horus. Yeah. How is that? Is that the weird one where the guy kind of looks like a twinkie, like a sentient twinkie, he's like yellow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I like how in my brain, the only thing yeah. like I could like, I couldn't even just say that the guy was yellow. I'm like, he looks like a
0: Twinkie. A tw- I mean, I've never thought about it, but looking at him, yeah, it kind of looks like it. <laughs> he's,
1: he's yellow and has rounded edges, I guess. Technically. Yeah. yeah like yeah. if Horace you needed glasses twinkie. and you like, didn't have them for some reason and it was all blurry. Sure. Mm. He's a Twinkie with a suit.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Uh, no, he is a robot um but close enough so horace <laughs> horace it's is this game that was cake yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was created by the developers uh they just have their name they don't have an actual studio so it's sean Scapplehorn and paul hellman um i'm not, I, I didn't even realize it was by this song uh sean Scapplehorn because when you first start the game it says a paul hellman game so i don't know what's the like where that person comes into play, but regardless, um, the game has been one that I've had my eye on for quite some time. This was a game that came out back in 2019, and I originally played the demo for it back in like, I think, uh, either early 2019 or late 2018, I can't remember when it came out, but I was really interested in it because it is a platformer game that has uh, very story-driven elements to it. And so the unique part about this is, you know, with most platformers, it's okay, run and jump, go and uh, through little puzzles or things like that. So what this one does instead is it plays into uh, normal platforming, but you have these shoes that can literally walk on walls and roofs. So anytime you get close to one of those platforms, like you get close to the side of a wall, the gravity of your game will shift so your character will flip and the world around you will flip so this is one of those games where for you specifically you might not be able to play it just because of uh how you had problems with fez like you can get kind of motion sick if you do it too fast if like things are too close together and you like it's kind of one of my gripes with the game is there are parts that can get a little wonky but the 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 actual mechanic to it is really unique it's really fun because it makes you think in different ways where they'll put different parts of the map like when they they get into these just crazy level designs where you're you have to use those different sides of walls to your advantage where you kind of play with physics of what gravity actually is so you'll run up the side of a wall and one side will have spikes so you'll have to go to uh, the left hand side and you'll have to change how gravity is shifted so that you can jump over to a different side to get around it and it's it's really hard to explain in just words but it's it's very well done to a way where you have to kind of like trick your brain to be like okay Gravity doesn't just go down like you have to you have to change and there's a lot of times when I first kept playing where I was like I would look at it and instantly think well this looks impossible and then I'd have to like walk up a wall and be like oh I'm just an idiot and just need to shift my brain into thinking how I can move but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, the story to it is actually really interesting as well. It's basically you're this robot who uh, has been built by this old man, and it, the old man takes you in and kind of treats you almost like a like a son. And he's teaching you things about the world. He's going over uh, just general things from like a media standpoint. Um, it's all expressed by the first person of you being the robot so it's you telling your story about the old man taking you in and being with this giant family um, and then all of a sudden one day you end up getting powered down and the old man passes away And then when you reboot, the world has been kind of taken over by other robots. So the world is in disarray. Everything is destroyed. You're trying to find your family again. And this, this large story of bringing your family back together and trying to reclaim the world from these evil robots. Um, the story is pretty long. It's like 22 chapters, I think. I believe I'm on chapter 20 right now. Um, I tried to beat it, but last night it was like two in the morning and I was like, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> I was like, I don't have time for this. Um, but I've been playing for, I want to say about like eight to 10 hours ish, maybe. Um, it's been fun. There have been moments where I've been like really friggin' mad at it where I'm just like, God, I hate this fucking part. But like That's kind of one of the things with platformers and just, you know, uh, these type of games in general is there's that get good element to certain aspects of it. Um, But I really like that they, they... also included not just these puzzles and this platforming aspect they also included a lot of boss battles so there's a number of different things that you get um, as far as not just running and jumping on walls there's also things that you can pick up and like grab and throw at enemies so there's enemies where they have like bombs that are shooting and you have to avoid the bombs you have to pick them up you have to throw them back you have to break through walls and, and run upside of walls and avoid their attacks so there's like a lot that can happen in this and there's a lot of different unique ways that they set these boss battles up, Um, but there are some concerns just generally in this game that I had. Um, One is that, as I kind of alluded to, it can be a little wonky when uh, gravity switches back and forth between platforms, meaning when you get too close to certain objects, you'll do this weird thing where the game kind of, if it's too close, it doesn't really know which one to use, and so it'll kind of like flip around, and you can get really disoriented and end up killing yourself just because the game kind of flips you where you didn't expect to go. Um, I think that's just kind of the nature of this mechanic, but it can be a little frustrating when you have to be so precise um, in a game like this. Uh, That being said, it's only more when objects are too close to, to each other so that you're constantly spinning around. So it doesn't happen too often, but there are times where it did get a little annoying. Um... The boss battles, I did really like that there is a a wide variety of them, but with that, there comes uh, certain ones that just didn't match the same level of, uh, you know, quality as the others. Uh, There was one where I was just kind of like, eh, this is interesting, but not really too great, where you were just kind of throwing a basketball at these cards where a brain was floating around, and it was kind of weird, and I get it, but like, it wasn't that great um but there's a lot of them there's a lot of good ones uh another thing that kind of was a little bit upsetting was they have these save systems in the boss where when you get to a certain point they would be like checkpoints for the bosses and you would restart at that point rather than dying and having to do all of the bosses phases over and over again and i thought that a lot of the the bosses made sense with their checkpointing but some of them were like there was just this this one or, or two of them that didn't really have a checkpoint and it, it made it awkward because I was expecting it and so I had trouble with this one boss and ha- kept having to redo and redo the same part and I was like, why all of a sudden you're not giving me these kind of checkpoints? So there were some kind of inconsistencies with that and maybe that's just me not noticing and I just didn't get far enough but it was the way I felt at least playing some of those bosses. Um... But that being said, like overall, I think the quality of, of the story and the quality of the gameplay minus, you know, a few of those hiccups was really solid, um, especially for an independently developed video game. Like there's a lot that is in this Um Like I said, I've been playing for a good, like, 10 hours or so in this, and I expected this to be, you know, a quick little platformer, not to be anything uh, well-versed, so I was very surprised, pleasantly. Um, A few other tidbits of things that kind of, like, irked me. The entire story is in this robot's point of view, so it's like in this Microsoft Sam uh, constant uh, tone of voice throughout the entire game, which... Man, Microsoft Sam, it's funny when you're making him say like, you know, stupid like childish words like duty. Um, but like a whole <laughs> story is like at, at certain points I'm like, god, can you please just give me anyone else to to <laughs> but voice But there is this? actually like voice acting, right? Uh no, it's mostly just him talking. Just yeah. Just the Microsoft but, like Sam. the Microsoft cool. Sam voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like and it like it makes sense because it's it's him telling the story of what happened it's his monologue basically but like there are times where you're just like god could we please just not have this robot voice for like a little bit (laughs) this looks crazy
1: though I'm, like, looking at it, there seems like there's so many different homages to, like, other games. that's,
0: yeah. Thank you for reminding me that. That is one of my favorite parts about this game, is there's so much pop culture reference. There's so, like, you'll be walking around a town, and the cast of Friends or the cast of Seinfeld are just walking around for no apparent reason. You'll, uh, two of them... sounds like a copyright issue. (laughs) I mean, you can't, like, it's it's all like pixel art. Like you, they yeah. can't say it's specifically them, but you know, it's them. Like when <laughs> you see the, the pixel art version of Kramer walking by, you're like, yeah, that's, that's definitely Kramer. Like <laughs> there's, there's um a uh, two characters, one who's named Logan and one who's named Mr. Preston. And they start, there's a part where you go back in time and they're like oh they they start going about like oh this reminds me of a movie and they keep saying a bunch of random movies and they're like no it's like my excellent adventure or something like oh my they kind of allude to it being (laughs) bill and ted (laughs) yeah bill and ted and i'm like i'm like jesus there's so much of it and it's so funny the way they do it um in that they also take that homages to games. There's a bunch of like little mini games you could play that are, um, like there's one part where it's like a, a, God, I can't remember the Gradius, The like the ship, where you're flying and shooting yeah. at random things. Like, there's a part where you have to play uh, a mini game like that through the game. There's parts where you're uh, in an arcade and you get to just play a bunch of different old school games. Like, there's like a Space Invaders one that they call Dance Invaders. There's like there's a ton of just different homages, different uh, like little call outs that if you're paying there's attention. Like- there's Sorry. a guitar hero. Yeah, there's a guitar hero looking type game. Um, there's a ton of things in it, so it's like there's so much wrapped into this that it's it's really like I hands down recommend this. Um, it's only like 15 bucks on Steam, I think, uh, and it's right now it's 40 percent off, which means it's only 8.99, $8.99. on Steam. Um, I had a blast with it. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about with it, too, that I can't remember now. But there's there's a lot of good stuff in this. So, are you? did you buy this on Steam? Or are you possibly playing it on, like, Xbox Game Pass? or? No, so I'm playing or it Or I guess it was free on the Epic Game yeah, Store not long yeah. ago. Yeah, so uh, a while back it was free on the Epic Game Store, and I picked it up. And this has just been kind of sitting there in my backlog of things that I really wanted to play. And so I had some extra time, and I was like, all right, I really got to just go through the story but like i said i definitely recommend it this has been uh, a really fun at times frustrating but that's kind of just it's a platformer um that's how it is but it's been uh, a good experience overall for sure
1: yeah and like you said if people want to get into it it is only 15 bucks but right now until may 4th it's uh 40 off so it's 8.99 on steam Mm -hmm. um i'm glad you said that it was free on the epic game store though because i totally would have ended up buying it on steam and i know that i got it on the epic game store back back when it did that so there you go yeah yeah it's very nice um this game looks awesome honestly yeah. It looks super in depth. There seems to be like a lot of difference, um, like a lot of gameplay variation that I'm yes. seeing, at least with like mini games. And it seems to be like an incredibly complex story, at least like or I guess like a a very branching story for the most part. Plus, yeah, while watching some of the gameplay, it doesn't look like the changes in gravity are that
0: egregious. So it just I yeah. might try it out. I would I would recommend trying it. Um, like I said, it's only a bit hectic when you get to platforms where there'll be like moving platforms. And if the moving platforms are too close to like the wall and the floor and you jump up and you kind of get close to all three sides, you'll end up kind of rotating a little bit too fast and it might become a little bit annoying. Um... But for the most part it's not too bad and if you take your time like you won't have that big of a problem. I'm just always trying to like rush through a lot of the times. So I'm flipping around too much at, at uh at certain angles. I hundred percent
1: saw what you were talking about. That is one million percent a pixel art Jerry Seinfeld. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent.
0: <laughs> the likeness is uncanny. Yeah, dude. There's so much of that in this game. I love it because there's just so many references and every time you're like, are they Are they really going to do that? They're just going to put that in here? Like,
1: <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to play this game. It looks amazing. Um, <laughs> speaking of like what I've kind of been doing, so I've got a couple of different things. One thing I want to talk about real quick is I've been playing some adult Legos. Okay, nice. everybody. So,
0: like, I, Legos with boobs?
1: no uh -uh, not not like a nope that's Uh, nope um so i bought all the parts for my pc finally and over the weekend i ended up putting it together it was probably the most annoying thing i've done in my life which sounds bad (laughs) but i'm so glad that i did it because this freaking runs like a champ dude this has changed my life like, I was talking to you earlier about how fast my, like, exports are, how fast it boots up, because I have my, like, OS on my SSD. It's amazing. I love this <laughs> shit. Like, I'm I'm honestly so glad that I've made the decision to kind of move my primary gaming over to PC, because it is, like, it's nice to just come in and... I come into my little like room, my office, quote unquote, and I will like play a little bit of a game and then I can just immediately switch to freaking editing a podcast, pretty much doing whatever I want. And it's just an all in one, like an all encompassing thing. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much about it. Like when I... Uh, on the episode of Eldar Talks Games Industry that I did with Eldar most recently, we were talking about the video game crash in right. the, like, 1980s, and one of the things that we talked about was how, like, PC gaming, essentially, like, the uh, the Apple II and the, I believe it was Commodore 64, yeah. they became excessively cheap, and people started, like, that was one of the reasons that uh, the games market kind of crashed, or at least the console
0: market, for the most part, kind of crashed. Right. Yeah, there was a whole big there was a whole big conversation back in the day that you know games were over like console games are never gonna make it like they obviously shot back up but like there was a time where it was almost assured that console gaming would not be a thing.
1: Yeah, and one of the main reasons was the realization that people had that like if you bought a PC. It is both something that you can use for, like, a work source. Like, it's it's kind of like an investment. You put money into it, and you can possibly make money from it. Mm. And it's also something where I can play awesome games. Plus, my PC freaking, like, it's good enough to play some decent games. So, I'm I'm so excited to, to kind of, like, delve deep into this. Plus, um, I found, you know, the perfect thing to get addicted to, which is uh, Steam like trading cards so you know <laughs> welcome. whatever
0: welcome to the club baby
1: dude i'm not even joking there's been like four games that i looked at and i'm like this looks cool and i'm like no steam trading cards not dude nah, like, you're nah, not nah. even i'm not gonna slum it with this game yeah. even though
0: it's got like very positive reviews <laughs> where are your cards at
1: <laughs> yeah every game should be forced to put in steam trading cards okay right. don't fuck with me all right, all right. i'll let them know <laughs> you'll contact the developers be like steam trading cards or nothing yeah <laughs> that's that's the new motto for IndiePod. uh but other than just like building my pc and everything after i did that i downloaded my os and everything and it's all up and running but after i got done with all the kind of arduous annoying shit you know what i did i was like hey i want to play a game all right <laughs> really so really
0: test the limits of uh, your new computer here
1: exactly yeah the i'm I'm definitely, uh, you know, pushing the goalpost. I'm moving it so much further than what my PC could have done before. And I popped onto Steam, and I saw that they were doing kind of like... An event for narrative based games And I was like oh that's kind of interesting I wonder like what's going on there So I clicked on it and I was kind of just scrolling Through stuff I saw that there were some limited time Demos and everything and uh, I saw that like Garden Story Was on there and I've briefly spoken In the past about how I think Garden Story looks amazing Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how wholesome and cute it is So I was like dude I have to Play that demo and this is not One of the limited demos this one I believe Is just like a full fledged demo you can play it whenever you want to um so i'd absolutely recommend people do it this is by uh i i'm gonna be honest i'm not gonna say this correctly but i think it's picogram it's p-i-c-o g-r-a-m yeah picogram. maybe that's picogram that's what i would say yeah Let's go with it. I, don't, I don't know for a second i thought it was like pictogram so <laughs> you know whatever um but of course, the download went super fast because PC games are amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and it's a demo, so it's like barely in yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I hopped into it and immediately I was I was in this game. It's like it's so beautiful. I love its pixel art so so much. Like the 16 bit aesthetic it has is is so awesome. Plus, it has that like wholesome cutesy aesthetic that I love so much where it takes like ordinary objects that you wouldn't necessarily think to have a lot of personality but kind of adds it to it so it's the the character diversity is really awesome it's a mix of like different like sentient animals and I mean all like animals are sentient but you know what I mean like they're <laughs> real characters they are in a sense like anthropomorphized like a- animals and characters and then there's like these other this other side where it's like fruits and vegetables which is kind of weird, but it plays mm. in an interesting way that I like it a lot. Where it's like you kind of understand this society is like uh, it's it's kind of odd. Like you'd think that there would be some sort of conflict between plants and animals because yeah. there's you know they eat them. Yeah, but um, the
0: obvious. Uh- <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly, but there's not really like this game is so like freakishly wholesome, and we'll kind of like talk talk about this in a little bit about how like cartoony and fantasy uh, type games typically can tend to skew to the darkness and stuff, and it's not necessarily taken seriously because it's like cutesy and fantasy. Because um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in one of our news articles later, but this is like completely the opposite. It's from what I understand, like it's it doesn't give you a lot to do in this. Day. Demo, but I would definitely recommend people do it you could probably beat it in like uh, 30 40 minutes depending on how like far into it you want to get if you want to do the collections and kind of like read about the story and everything um but I like while playing through it it's just kind of like it's very lighthearted. a lot of the enemies are just standard like they're not grotesque or anything they're kind of like some slimes which being the slime aficionado I am I have to say they're kind of ugly i'm sorry but that's kind of their point i imagine like they're (laughs) they're they're meant to be kind of like these i don't want to say ultimate enemies but they're meant to be this enemy of the environment where they are like kind of like seemingly toxic Mm -hmm. um and they're part of like the rot from what i understand which is like this the kind of like antagonist of all of this um which you don't get to see very much in the trailer, but I do enjoy... Or not the trailer, the uh, demo, but I do enjoy what I got to play. Um, I do have to say, like, getting near the end of it, the boss fight is very anticlimactic. Like, the, the combat leaves a lot to be desired, but I'm not necessarily playing this game for its combat. I'm much more playing it because it's, like right now everything's kind of fucked up it's like <laughs> basically the same people the same reason people are kind of like they're they're finding refuge in games like animal crossing because it just like it kind of takes you away and it makes you feel good it's it's wholesome and like, there's not like uh, it's not meant to make you feel like shit basically it's very uh, light-hearted and nice yeah playing the garden story demo made me feel like that like it's it's very lighthearted. everything's cutesy and your health is represented by jam which is so weird and like uh even your like your standard weapons are kind of interesting whereas like a ranged weapon isn't a bow or a gun or anything like that it's basically a fishing pole which is so weird but so interesting at the same time and like even your sword isn't that crazy like it it looks like a wooden sword it doesn't look like it can exactly do damage um and there's just so like so many things that make this game so cute and interesting that i personally like cannot wait for it to release because like depending on how deep the story is i imagine it could actually be like a really intriguing and amazing story Mm -hmm. but i'm excited to just play it to kind of like sink some time into something that's more of an escape from reality like all video games are escapism but this one's just kind of like that that feel good energy something that i i don't know i'm kind of looking for um i do i yeah, sorry. I'm I'm reading some of my notes now. Uh, after I got past my like
0: rough, kind of like ideas so of this. When before you get started on that. So when you were playing the demo, how much of this was more like um, exploration versus like the actual simulator side of it? Like the like because that's that's one of my concerns with this game. Is uh I it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Forager um, in certain ways. And I'm wondering if it leans more towards that, you know, exploration quest kind of line versus the build up your town kind. Um, From what
1: I played, like, it
0: seems like there is a
1: kind of like a town building. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It seems like you're trying to, like, renovate this valley that you live in and bring it back to prominence because it seems to be in somewhat of like a like I kind of like a down um like kind of a low point Mm -hmm. but i you didn't really get to play around with that at all in the demo they kind of like talk about it like you can build up this library but that's as far as i got uh you can do a couple of different like little quests and stuff like that but they seem very minimal at like like right now but it's definitely not like forager at all like it has a very similar aesthetic but where forager is kind of just like wide open and it's like about you just gaining materials and then slowly building things up and purchasing more land and everything like that this game is much seems much more linear Uh um where it's it's actually about like the story of your character whose name is i believe concord if i remember yeah concord uh-huh. who's a guardian of sorts and like you're kind of seemingly trying to protect your town in the world from the rot so it's very much more like of a narrative based game versus forager being much more gameplay heavy right um so this one is like is something that i imagine like where forager you could sink hours upon hours into it if you really wanted to it doesn't seem to have that definitive ending this one seems like it absolutely will it's there to tell a story um i i couldn't exactly tell you how crazy that story is from a demo but it seems like it'll be interesting yeah um yeah
0: that makes sense
1: yeah so it's like I guess it is nice to know that something will have a definitive end. Like, uh, you're a big fan of roguelikes, which technically like for the most part, don't, they're about enjoying the gameplay. They're about like, uh, enjoying the journey instead of the destination for the most part. And like, this seems like it's much more of a, like, yeah, you're going to enjoy the journey because this world seems really, really awesome, (laughs) but there is an actual destination to eventually get to. Um, but yeah in some of my notes there are a couple things that i kind of like reflected on that i think are actually kind of make this game i wouldn't necessarily say like special because it's not like it's never happened before but it kind of lends to that wholesome aesthetic that i like a lot um the inventory system is like it's your typical like oh you have like a certain amount of bag slots and everything but I really love the way they do weapons and like hotkeys specifically because you hotkey something to like uh I played both with keyboard and with controller. Controller is so much easier. Keyboard's kind of annoying. Um because it's like just a couple of different keys and I don't know why I find that so annoying, but I do. Um On the controller, you have, like, your standard D-pad stuff, and you go up, like, uh, left, right, and everything. But the thing I find so kind of, like, intriguing about it is that it's you basically, like, place items on your backpack, and your backpack is always seen in the left-hand bottom corner. And, like, if you want to use your sword, if you equip it, it's, like, it's shown on your backpack. The only thing that really annoys me about that is, like, you your character's not wearing a backpack. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't look like you're wearing one. You could see both sides of your character. There's no backpack, so... Hmm. that's something i think would be nice but that's just me being nitpicky but when you add something and you equip it it like adds it to a piece on it adds it to the side of your backpack and i just think that's kind of cute as always like i'm super nitpicky and everything Mm -hmm. um so it's nice to just see that and then yeah right and then uh like your shield is on the other side and you can equip and unequip it and you like see it come off and onto your bag i just think that's kind of cute um (laughs) your energy is based on sunlight which i think is super cute so like instead of a standard like stamina bar it's actually kind of like you re it you like photosynthesis essentially Hmm. which i i love um it it acts just like a stamina bar but i think it just adds to the aesthetic of the game right um that it's based on sunlight it does seem to have like rpg elements but i didn't get to play with that um when like i went to sleep which was just part of the demo you got like several different menus which was like one of them was sleep one of them was blocked out because seemingly that's something you unlock later in the game and then one of them was like stats and you could click on it and you had a level and different stats like strength and agility and such i didn't mark them down so i don't know if those are specifically what they are but Like it seems (laughs) like there are RPG elements to this game and I'm kind of like excited to see how that works because I don't know. Like I want to know if there are different builds to this game. Like if there are going to be different weapons and all sorts of stuff because there were in my playthrough. Like I got uh, your standard sword, which like it does kind of some minimal combos, but I imagine if I were good at games, maybe I could have, I don't know like seen more in the combat area (laughs) but for me like i it didn't seem that well refined like you could do a heavy strike and like a quick strike but you only have for the most part like four stamina slots so if you do a heavy strike it takes up an entire one where i think a quick strike takes up half of one gotcha um and like it's not it's very slow so unless i did like if i tried to do two quick strikes at a time instead it would do like a quick strike and then i'd kind of have to like click the button a couple times for it to do another one and there was a lag between them Mm. versus if i did like a heavy strike and then a quick strike it was kind of like i did a combo in a sense where it did it very quickly so that's what i ended up resorting to was just doing a quick like heavy strike quick strike and then kind of like dodge rolling away and then like there were a couple of different items uh, or weapons that came later which was like this kind of fishing pole I tried out a couple times and I thought it was a lot of fun that that's actually a ranged weapon so you sit there and you like cast it out and like for the amount of time like so if you cast it behind them it'll hit like them two or three times as the rod or the line goes through them Hmm. which I thought was really cool which then that weapon is also used for like your standard fishing which gets like items out of like water-based areas but then also if there's a platform like off to the side you can use that to like fish out there and like break uh kind of like crates and stuff and get whatever items are inside of it which i thought was kind of cute it's like multi-purpose tool instead of like it just being delegated as a weapon which i thought was awesome right um the same thing comes with like the sickle uh is is another weapon that i didn't really use at all because i didn't like the way it worked um you kind of like when you go to hit with it you do like a quick strike but then if you hold it you'll do a quick strike and then when you let go it moves as if you were trying to use the sickle to cut grain so you take a few steps back um and you like pull it toward you so it seems like it's it's like a quick like swipe um i i thought that was kind of interesting but i didn't use it much and then there's like a hammer that just smashes stuff which was interesting um so yeah i i liked a lot about this game um ultimately when i got to the end i found the boss kind of underwhelming like it instead of trying to damage the boss or do anything based on combat which once again i've said the combat is kind of lacking in my opinion um you solved like a quick puzzle and you ran away but i might need to play through the demo again to see if like i can do that boss battle a different way right um and the puzzle itself was not hard at all you just like moved blocks into basically like a pedestal and then the screen opened up a bit more and then there were four blocks but only a certain like two blocks could go in the next pedestals and I'm like I know what two blocks I used before so I'm assuming it's the other two Mm -hmm. like doesn't seem that crazy um (laughs) and the boss design itself is kind of like a weird like mouth and I thought that was kind of gross um but (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the controller support was kind of weird, and I'm not sure if it was just like my controller or not. But um, my controller will at times like disconnect, and then when I disconnect it, and it would reconnect, it wouldn't just you like reconnect the controller itself. I had to go into the settings and force it to reconnect my controller. Ooh, that's um, weird. Yeah, that, that one was kind of annoying. I don't know if you could switch a setting um, because then like later on I switched a setting but I was also using a different controller and that didn't ever disconnect. So maybe if I would have switched the setting earlier on it would have defaulted to the controller so when it eventually reconnected it would just pop back up on the controller. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, that
0: was... But I mean, it's a demo so it's not like like... I'm sure they'll probably have better controller support later into its life cycle
1: oh yeah yeah definitely um dropping items was kind of annoying i couldn't drop them all like i couldn't select multiple items from what i saw and then drop them i had to drop them each one at a time which meant i had to go over to them and hold a for like five seconds and then it would drop it and then i'd have to move hold a for five seconds then it would drop it and i had to do that over and over again because you're you don't have a really like a massive amount of inventory space mm-hmm. and i was trying to like hold as much as i could um so that was kind of annoying i wish there was like just like a mass drop or like a junk list how in most rpgs you can add things to junk and then just drop all your junk or sell all your junk yeah. i wish there was something like that um just to make it kind of easier um yeah you can use the raj's range weapon yeah that's for the most part all i have on garden story um i think it's super cute i think everybody should check it out and just see if they enjoy it by playing the demo um this team seems to have worked really hard on making like a wholesome cute game for people to just enjoy that also like seemingly has like rpg elements and everything it it looks like it's going to be a like a decent game on top of this very like wholesome and um like escapist type story which i think is gonna be awesome so yeah i think everybody should check out the demo it's not a huge time investment or anything and you obviously don't pay for it so it's just on their steam page Hmm. well sounds good to me yeah yeah um let's hop into our first news story over on ign it is written by matt perslow and it is switch game released without devs knowledge and lacking features this is the weirdest (laughs) story i love this
0: (laughs) so weird (laughs)
1: There was actually another story that I saw, but I didn't actually include it because it was a little odd and I didn't know how we would report on it, uh-huh. about Streets of Rage 4 supposedly, like, coming out on the Nintendo Switch, but the game was not on the Nintendo Switch, <laughs> but, like, like Nintendo what? was heavily advertising it, it just wasn't on their platform, and... <laughs> I don't exactly know what was up with that one, but then there's the other side of this where Indivisible, um, which is by Lab Zero Games, it's come out, people really enjoy it. It's an awesome like mix between like kind of somewhat of a turn based RPG, sometimes platforming, looks very interesting, like Josh has talked about it in the past. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. has for the most part been released on switch without the developer's knowledge with zero fanfare seemingly like no pr done for this switch port and it's the original build of the game that doesn't include uh from what i understand like it doesn't include co-op yeah and it doesn't include a new game plus version which this article is updated to say that the developers have said That right now it is in that early stage but they are going uh to move it forward and put it on par with the other versions of the game including that like uh co-op and new game plus um specifically it says the switch version was apparently always intended to have a day one patch um this indeed or yeah this is indeed to the release build but without any patches uh co-op new game plus were not intended uh to be in the game um or seemingly to be in the day one patch either which is so weird yeah, uh, but are know. intended to be added later so this is such uh like an odd thing um because like there this port is seemingly not done by lab zero games it's it was seemingly done by a port house um the developer mike zamont mm-hmm. uh i I think that's how you'd say it. Um, he went to Twitter and said, uh, No release date announced, no lead up PR at all. It's missing current uh, features like co op. The eShop art is the wrong image, which I'm kind of wondering about that. Like, what's wrong with that image specifically? Because yeah, that looks like the image I've seen all around for this game. So maybe they just across all storefronts kind of changed the image. Yeah. Maybe. And this one is going to be like not exactly doesn't conform to what they were doing before. Um, And uh, this launch does not represent the quality standards of lab zero. Uh, It just doesn't. I'm sorry. It wasn't us. So I'm assuming them saying it wasn't us. I believe they actually talk about this being like ported, but it
0: wasn't by them. So I I mean, I, I don't know how else you would be working on it and be like, wasn't us.
1: Yeah exactly
0: um he went
1: on to say that the Switch version is great running at a stable frame rate but it appears that it was the old build of the game that has been added to the Nintendo eShop rather than the current version in addition the store page features the wrong artwork um, and appeared with no PR lead up. Um, this launch does not represent yeah the quality. It is likely uh, that the situation is due to Indivisible's publisher, Five Hundred Five Games. Uh, we've reached out, but there is no um, they have not got. Yeah, they haven't got any word back from them. This this situation is just so weird. Yeah, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it it's like it, what's especially. Yeah, exactly. What's especially weird about it is it yeah, to prove that neither did they. Mike specifically said our team found out because people on Twitter sent us congratulations. I had no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh uh okay, so let me see there is a tweet in here i'm just looking at like some of the tweets from mike zamont and he's like again this is not the porthouse's fault they did great work nor is it nintendo's fault 505 will surely provide more info soon about when the original day one patch is coming <laughs> so like maybe it just sounds like bad communication like i guess this was intended and just the indivisible team didn't know <laughs>
1: Well, it seems like it was intended by the publisher, but not really the, like, development or, like, the porthouse. Right. For the most part, like, they're, they're saying that it shouldn't be left on the shoulders of anyone but 505, which is <laughs> so weird. Publishers just like, we need money now.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly, like, I haven't heard... A whole lot of situations like this especially with like a similar thing happening to like streets of rage 4 which I uh, again I didn't include it on the doc today Mm -hmm. um, mostly because I didn't I I didn't exactly know how to verify that it wasn't there 100% and everything um, and I didn't want to necessarily report like false news for the most part but yeah what the fuck is going on
0: (laughs) I don't know it's so strange I just and I mean, I don't know what it looks like behind the scenes, but I would assume that when a publishing company is there, it's more or less that they're like the developers signing off on it and being like, yeah, we're good to go.
1: Yeah. I honestly have no idea. This shit is so weird. <laughs> um, I don't know what, my, like what much else we could say about this one. So let's move on to our next news story. Uh, this one is over on GameSpot. It's written by Steve Watts and it is, uh, Sorry, I just needed to check something real quick. Uh it is oris Studios next game is about humans, not fantasy creatures. Uh after two Ori games, Blind Forest and Will of the Wisp, a uh, Moon Studios is going on a or uh, is going a more realistic direction in an interview with GameSpot studio founder Thomas mauler maybe? I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um talked about the approach and how it differs uh, from the use of fantasy creatures Uh, using a fantasy setting certainly helps us tell stories that we otherwise couldn't tell in this way an interesting experiment would be to take the ori story and just tell or try to tell that through humans kuro kind of commits genocide right um holy shit that's crazy I'm definitely not using the right inflection for that, but (laughs) not having played entirely through Ori, that is kind of a weird, like, realization that it's very possible that you commit genocide.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know because I've never played the game, but that is kind of nuts.
1: Yeah, it's it's especially nuts when you look at it, and it's like it's a very like whimsical looking game. It's very cute, and like I guess it's kind of like to the developer's point is that you wouldn't expect this game to have such kind of dark themes, even though like its trailers for the most part and a lot of its like a lot of its aesthetic before you get into like seemingly later in the game is very dark and ominous. Mm Um, for the most part for like both games so yeah this shit's weird Um, holy shit that's crazy but using fantasy creatures and doing that it allows us to tell really harsh uh, emotional stories without people questioning it we're dealing with that right now our next game is about humans and so on it definitely makes it easier with these fantastical creatures Um, I'm amused how much stuff I get away with and that's actually quite shocking if you think about it Mm -hmm. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely true. Think about, like, I don't know why this is the thing that went to my mind, but, like, think about the scene where, like, in Bambi, where the mother gets shot. Like, imagine that of, like, watching it, but just instead of deer, it's a, a person. Like, that would be a yeah. much different scene. It's, it's definitely horrifying that it's a
1: deer. Like, I imagine in that moment for children is kind of traumatizing. Sure. But, yeah, if it was a person... Super fucked up. <laughs> and you'd even have to assume, like, and Bambi as well, 100%, Bambi's dad's dead, too.
0: Oh,
1: so. yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely make a good point, though. Like, when you think about it, it being, like, whimsical and cartoony and based in this, like, fantasy land with fantasy creatures, it kind of makes you take
0: it less seriously. Yeah. Yeah. But that does make sense. I mean... And I guess the the good thing about that, though, is it definitely pushes these developers because there, there are a lot of liberties that you can take when you have that cutesy term. So, like, I'm interested to see what comes of it because there's such a... You know, and th- this is one of those things where I really need to this is like always been on my backlog. I really need to try these games out, but like I've heard that the story is very well done in these games. and so I'm interested interested to see how they push themselves to get over that hurdle because if they are able to have that same you know uh, breathtaking kind of of world or or story that they can come up with where it's not as wonky because you're like, whoa, whoa whoa you can't just do this like weird genocide story and just everybody be okay with it. Like, I don't know. It, 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 they'll definitely have to flex their muscles when it comes to creativity to make it a little bit more palatable when it comes to that sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is a very good point. Um, I believe what it says in the rest of the article is that I, I clicked off of it because I'm that guy, but um, (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moved on to the next one, but uh, I believe it says that there, all we know about Moon Studios' next game is that it's going to be um, like a platform action game. I'm not 100% action, sure, but now. Yeah, so
0: it says not much is known about Moon's next game. Last year, VGC reported that a job listing revealed the developer is making an action RPG and specifically requested candidates who have experience with Zelda, Diablo, and the Dark Souls franchises. I I think it's interesting
1: that they say Diablo, because for the most part, I honestly don't think that that will be because of, like, having both Legend of Zelda and Dark Souls, I think, brings it into, like, a gameplay front where you know kind of what's going to be, like the the action based gameplay. I would assume mm-hmm. it's similar to like a uh, Legend of Zelda and Dark Souls camera system. So I wouldn't think that they're looking for somebody that has experience with like isometric RPGs. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. maybe they're working on something with like a Diablo esque loot system. I think yeah. that would be really yeah, cool. Um, especially because Moon Studios, like obviously, we've talked about how super in depth and like very beautiful Ori is. I'm very excited to see like how you said how they're going to push the bounds of what they can do with realism Mm -hmm. and like making that much, uh, bringing that to the standard of beauty that Ori has. I do like, I want to ask you, what do you think that those like three games specifically
0: says about the next game? It's a good question. Um, I mean, unfortunately I don't have a lot of experience with what they have done in the past other than, you know, my brief knowledge of the, the Ori games. Um, but it, it definitely seems like they're trying to go uh, a step in a much different direction based on these games that they've done in the past. So, if I had to guess, I would say very similar to your thinking of Zelda and Dark Souls-esque of having something where it is a uh, a person, but having that loot system. I, it, it also kind of it kind of reminds me of something similar to uh, a fable, almost. Of you know. Yeah. The the action RPG element, but maybe having some kind of interesting loot system for Diablo. Or maybe it's just the story, because when you think of Diablo, Diablo does that in a way where they go through very dark themes and still keeping that. They have the the difference of realism when it comes to you're fighting demons, so it's it's less atrocious because you're like, those are obviously the bad guys. Um, So maybe that's kind of where they're going with it. Uh, You know, we don't know anything about the theme of what this could be. Um, but maybe it does play into that plight of something a little bit more of religious undertones you know what I do want to ask you is they
1: they frequently or at least uh that the specific developer, one of the co-founders I believe is who is talking um he talks about like, fantasy creatures specifically and how they're going to be making a game with humans instead, do you think it's still going to be, like, a fantasy-esque setting but you play, like, a human character? Or do you think that they're going to try to bring it more into, like, a like I don't know, like a
0: human world, like a real world? See, that's the thing is... if it, So, if I didn't see this article, I would have assumed the first, uh, not the latter, so more of... It is you playing a human and being in this world that is very magical, fant- fantastical, you know, these different creatures all around you. But if that's the case, it it definitely doesn't make this, uh, this, the whole point of this article being, you know, oh, we're having a hard time thinking of making it more uh, adaptable to humans because like... If you have a human, even if it is a human, if they're in a world that's totally different from ours, it takes that, you know, that realism away from it anyway. So because of that, I would assume this is going to be more towards uh, a a more human uh, centric game. Um, But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know no i i
1: think you're actually right because now when i think about it it wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense like kind of how he he talks about um the like if you thought of ori's story with humans it's fucked up Right, right um kind of a thing like but if you just like in games since you talked about fable fable is a game where you play a human but you play a human in a fantasy world and you kind of like merc entire populations of like <laughs> Hobbs. Like they're literally Hob killing contests, which if you think about it, if those were humans, that's really fucked up. But because mm-hmm. they're Hobbs, it's totally fine. And like, uh, there, there's just like so many different things where I think you're actually right. I don't think that this will really take place in a fantasy setting because that does definitely take you out of reality right. that like that kind of, would hinder a more, like, I don't want to say adult story, but it, like, uh, I don't know. You kind of have that, you would still have that, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. Like, you'd Uh you'd still be, in a sense, desensitized because
0: it would be fantasy. Yeah, there's that uh, that part of your brain that kind of, it doesn't associate it with how awful it would be if it was like there's no association to to you like that's the biggest issue with uh, a game or or a form of art uh, in general where you can associate it where you can say oh something like this could happen to me I could put my shoes in this other person's uh, or I could put my my feet in this other person's shoes. That was a weird. I could put my shoes in their shoes. <laughs> I could put my shoes in their feet. Um, so so like having that ability to play that role and to say like, oh, this is something that I can actually relate with makes it 10 times worse when it comes to something that's horrid. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm very excited to see what they do. I imagine though that we're not gonna see it for a really long time. Especially just because like Willow the Wisp just Just came out, out, so yeah, this year. And I believe like Ori and the Blind Forest probably came out four to five years before that, so maybe six years before that. So I imagine their dev cycle is gonna continue to be like very similar. So I don't even think we'll see like concept art and stuff like that for a while. Game development uh, takes a long time. Exactly, exactly. But let's hop over to our next news story over on GameSpot. It's written by Olivia harris i believe i'm honestly Mm -hmm. maybe it's olivier i have no idea um (laughs) 80 days dev is buying up user submitted short fiction for next game um Inkle, the developer behind 80 days and heaven's vault is currently developing a new medieval strategy game called pendragon as a part of the game game's development, Inkle has been inviting their community to submit stories uh, that will appear in-game. Pendragon is a turn-based combat game focusing around strategy and story, with each game having a different experience thanks to the board being randomized each time. The story takes place during the year 673 AD with Camelot on the verge of destruction and the round table falling apart. Players must leech a... Must leech? What? <laughs> must leech. <laughs> players must lead a band of knights and heroes across Britain and reach King Arthur in time Uh, the stories that are submitted need to be 500 word lightly interactive campfire tales as they would be acting as the folklore in game characters will settle down for the night and tell each other ghost stories fairy tales legends and general folk stories to keep morale up in between events the developer has released an example text uh, which is just a few lines of dialogue between characters that adds a piece of flavor to the story and setting. Stories will be needed, uh, will need to be submitted by May 5th, so if you guys want to do this guys, gals, everybody, I really need to stop doing it. But <laughs> it's tough. If Anyone wants to submit their stories, uh, you have to do so by May 5th uh, with the ink tool, which I honestly have no idea what that means. But uh, <laughs> And for every story Inkle uses in-game, they will pay $50 to the submitter uh, outside of the uses of Pandragon. Okay, cool. Um, so how cool is that? Like, I love that not only are they, like, offering uh, kind of the, the fans and people, like, of their fan base, they're offering them the chance to be part of that lore, like how we were talking about in Unexplored 2 when they did their fig campaign, how cool that was. Mm-hmm. They're, offer, they're also willing to pay you for it. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome and amazing.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. I really like the fact that they're, they're going that one step because when I first read this, I was like, oh, this is a weird, like... I think it's pretty cool, but it I didn't see like the actual compensation to it. So I was like, it does steer on that that conversation of like, do you put in your work for free kind of a thing? But I, I do like that yeah. there's compensation and I like that this is a, you know, here's what we're going to give you. If you want to submit, like this is what you'll get. Like it's all written down. It's all like very agreed upon. Like you're giving this for that, but it's it's more of like, and obviously this is a smaller uh, you know, environment and probably more to people who are the fans of this type of genre or this game in general, but like, I do think it is really cool that for those who want to do this and have some interest, like, you can play this game and get that, and you can ha- know that other people are getting that same story that you built out. Like, I think that is uh, awesome and such a great way to build hype for the game for people who might not have wanted to buy this game but just want to buy it to see to see it because they're going to be like oh my story is in here or like you know to get people on board and to share that and like have that almost market itself because you're going to have people talking about it
1: yeah i've heavily like it's documented i've heavily criticized kickstarters for having you pay to then do like something in the game like design an npc or something like that right but i think what really changes it is that like compensation for Mm me where they're just like, we value your stories enough. Um, and we think like, if we think they're good, then we're willing to pay for it. I think that's kind of like, that's just really nice of them to do. Um, it's cool to have your work shown in a game. I think that is amazing. And I understand why people do it, um, through like Kickstarters and stuff like that. But I think it's a little bit different and, i i don't know it shows that somebody really values your stuff when they're willing to pay for it um which sounds so weird but (sighs) and i feel kind of like in a sense
0: gross for saying it that way Mm. but i guess i do feel that way also i'm glad the story came out because i had no idea about this and it looks super super josh like (laughs) i definitely want to get this when it comes out
1: you're going to play Pandragon? Are you going oh, to submit sure. a short story so then it kind of pays for itself? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Uh, Wouldn't that be so funny if they didn't even give you $50? They just gave you, like, a 50, like, uh, like a certificate for the game? For They're the like, game. We're releasing it for
0: $50. Like, the game's not even $50. Like, <laughs> well, our next game that we come out with, you can put it towards that. They give you, like, an IOU coupon. Okay. IOU six back rubs. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting way to put it, so that I can pay for the game. But uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. The tool, the tool <laughs> that they have though, looks kind of cool. It's like uh, to build the the short stories. If you go to the example, it's interesting because it just it creates little clickable dialogue, uh, like branching stories for you
1: that's really cool that in a sense they even make it like i don't want to say easy for you but they make it much
0: easier than if you were just doing it on your own right that's cool yeah okay i don't know maybe if uh inspiration sparks i doubt it will but um if not i'll be excited for the game awesome that sounds fantastic well
1: our next news story is over on twinfinite and this is going to be our last one it's written by and i don't know if i'm saying this right but if i am you got a cool name it's i'm gonna say giuseppe Giuseppe. but i don't know giuseppe Giuseppe, okay giuseppe nova there you go that's a dope name i gotta admit (laughs) that's pretty cool i'm jealous um It is Bit Summit Gaiden announced for June following cancellation due to coronavirus. Uh, the Japan Independent Game Association announced that it'll host Bit Summit Gaiden in June as an online event. This new event will be hosted on June 12th and June 28th, and it'll replace the eighth edition of Bit Summit that has been cancelled due to the corona, coronavirus. Whoa. Coronavirus. Corona. yeah. <laughs> that rona on um, uh-huh. emergency uh, the event will happen entirely online with live streams via twitch uh chats via discord virtual booze for developers and even playable demos which i think is super cool That's pretty um good. getting super into demos right now because they're <laughs> more obvious on pc i guess um yeah. Information on speakers and detailed schedules will be communicated soon on uh, Bit Bit Summit's official website. If you're familiar with Bit Summit, it's Japan's most relevant. Yeah, that is relevant. I thought I might have read it differently. Uh, Relevant (laughs) (laughs) independent gaming event, uh, usually hosted every year in Kyoto. Um, It usually brings together many small developers, mostly from Japan, but plenty from the West also join the festivities. It'll be interesting to see uh, what Bitsumic Gaiden will offer this year. Of course, you can expect full coverage here on Twinfinite. I feel like I might... I'm, I'm glad I said that because I do very much enjoy Twinfinite. Uh, if you're wondering, and I think this is kind of interesting that they include this because I do actually like this little bit of information in the article. So kudos, Giuseppe. I don't know. I, I don't know if I said that right. Um, Giuseppe. All right. <laughs> Uh, if you're wondering, "Gaiden" means side story, which is pretty appropriate for an event hosted online to replace a regular uh, festival like the original Bit Summit. So I think that's just a nice little, nice Clever. little bit to include there. Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about this? Are you uh, are you going to like participate?
0: Participate in Bit Summit Gaiden on June twenty seventh uh, through the twenty eighth. Uh, I mean, define participate. <laughs> i don't know are you gonna like are you gonna watch the twitch streams are you uh are you gonna play the demos and
1: stuff like that it is
0: on a saturday and a sunday so i actually might because i was thinking if this was during the weekday i'd probably be too busy just from general work stuff but yeah I'm, i'm sure i'll have some time i'll definitely check out the the actual demos though i think that's one of the things i'll be most interested in um I, like, honestly, I have no knowledge of Summit. I knew nothing about it before this. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly gets shown off in this kind of event. Um, because I have no, uh, you know, uh, anything to base this off of. So going in blind will be nice, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll be interested in it, but I, I don't really have too much that I uh, can say on it.
1: Yeah, I didn't know much about Bit Summit either until I saw, like, I saw an article about it being canceled, and then, like, this one, but also, like, how weird is it that, like, when, I don't know, when you think of indie games, where do you typically think of their developers, like, coming from, or for the most part, like, where they congregate? I, for some reason, think of the United States. I didn't mm-hmm. think of, like, a large kind of community of indie game developers in Japan, but... I think like the, the, like all of these different uh, conventions shifting to doing things online because of the pandemic will kind of open people's eyes to these different, like the, these different communities all across the world, whether it is like, uh, like a bit summit or just kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe it'll just get people onto indie games more now that they can get to, uh, play demos and stuff like that that they might not have before because it's only like show floor stuff. So, i think it's really cool but yeah i had no idea that there was seemingly such a large like uh indie like independent mm. game scene in
0: japan that yeah. they would do yeah like I, a- I don't i don't think of the states actually i usually think of uh like hispanic countries like spain specifically <laughs> i i feel like and maybe that's just because of kickstarter but i feel like uh, a lot of games are from there <laughs> that's kind of interesting okay yeah
1: i don't know like uh, when you think about it like indie games are so interesting because they're i mean video games in general are all over but when you think of indie games it's such it's like so diverse mm-hmm. like where exactly studios can come from where like a lot of AAA games um for the most part are like a lot of them are developed in the united states and specifically in places like california and stuff like that or like in canada mm-hmm, um mm. there are also a lot of like triple A games developed there mostly because of like uh like tax breaks and stuff like that or like the canadian government gives awesome like grants and stuff from what i understand for developers cool. so like i i i don't know it's kind of interesting to think about indie games where it's like they are just everyday people i mean obviously other developers are too right but um <laughs> they're they're not like part of this gigantic like kind of like scene like they're not part of these huge triple a uh i don't know they're not they're not part of like this this massive machine instead they're just like people in their houses in australia like it's just so weird to think of it like that because they seem like such more they seem so much more like just everyday people because of that right that they're just like working on something in their spare time
0: yeah i mean it it, it's honestly it's crazy just thinking about how uh the world works nowadays and how connected we are even though we sometimes might not feel it but like the reach from you know what the internet has done is so incredibly wide and like the fact that that's a even a thing that you think about of just being like oh indie games that's from the states and like that's a bias because you're from the states and you're just thinking most of the stuff that comes through is always going to be from where you are it's it's a general psychological thing where your opinion um and this is for all people not just you but like general oh no it's definitely true though. yeah psychologically <laughs> like your opinion you're going to think other people have that like it's just it's human nature that's a psychological thing and it's it's the same with this it's that since you're from the states you're thinking most of those different developers are from the states as well but we're finding games from all around the globe there's everybody anybody that's the greatest thing about you know indie games is you if you dream it like you can do it anyone can do it like some people are better equipped like more you know better equipped to actually go out and achieve that or some people just might be financially more set or uh talentedly more set that's a bad word to use for it but like well i mean you can do you can also
1: yeah like the the interesting thing about indie games like kind of on what you were saying is that like they don't necessarily have to pitch it to this like Uh, they don't have to pitch it to like a large group. They don't have to pitch it to Sony or anything like that. So they don't have to worry about it being something that so many people will play. So we get that diversity, not only like uh, in developers, but we get to see diversity in cultures. Like way back when we were talking to, I'm um, like I think Arrow was on the podcast and we were talking about I believe somebody wrote in and asked a question like what kind of stories and what kind of like cultures would you like to see depicted in indie games mm-hmm. and he talked about like Mula I think it's called Muala something yeah, like
0: that Yeah uh, yeah I know which one you're talking I, about I
1: think it was like uh it was uh, a game set in like South American folklore I'm not 100% certain but it, like Indie games is so interesting because, like, that's where we get to see stories from so many different cultures. Like, uh, we don't see triple A's typically, like, super, like, delving super into, like, Slavic folklore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something that indie games will do and stuff like that. So, I, I think it's just so cool that we get that diversity, in a sense, because, like, they can do whatever they want. They just have that story that they want to tell and they do.
0: Yeah. The game you're thinking about is called La Mulana.
1: Yeah, La Mulana, there you go. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. <laughs> um But that is it for our main news stories. We're gonna hop into News Cram when we come back from
0: a short break. It's cr- cr- cram time. Crick cr- cr- cram.
1: I mean, you're an incredibly creative person that you can always come up with different ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of you. Thank you.
0: I've been thinking of actually uh, just recording one and doing like background, like a backdrop uh, of some kind of instrumental and making a real one for us. It's kind of on Yeah, my,
1: that I can just like submit
0: into yeah, it's like the my, podcast audio. It's kind of on my list of things to do, but I always forget and then, uh, and then I don't do it. So I just make up stuff. <laughs> all right, uh, news cram is our weekly wrap up segment where we, the hosts of Indie
1: Pod and Indie Games Podcast, cramming full of all all sorts of amazing indie games news. I was like running out of breath yeah, there, dude, because we're getting so crammed, whew. you know. Yeah, maybe or maybe I have that Rona, dude. Oh, Freaking shortness of Don't breath, you know. About
0: that. No, no, gotta watch out. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> this week in news cram, we do not actually have any quick news stories for you, but we do have some new deals and quick steals and some new stuff as per usual this usually happens <laughs> um, so, uh our first deal of this week and it's our only one but still it's cool um comes by way of polygon where it's reported that from april 30th to may 7th you can get both amnesia the dark descent and Crashlands completely free on the epic game store once again This is such a good idea. Just go there. You make an account. You don't have to put in a card or anything. You literally do nothing. And you get free games. And then you get to do things that are super nice, like Josh and I, who we forget that we actually have (laughs) games. And we might almost accidentally buy them. And then we go to the Epic Games Store and we find out. We have a whole library of games that we got for free.
0: One thing that I almost spent nine dollars on Steam See? for. <laughs> One thing that they did change, though, you now have to put in two-factor authentication to download free games. I will say that's not that bad. It's though. not bad. Like that is, it is, it's kind of weird to
1: like. I imagine there still are those people who are like super heavy into the like, in a sense, quote unquote, conspiracy theory that Epic is trying to sell your data yeah. to like Tencent. So i imagine they'll take with that take that and run it however they will Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i i don't think that's bad
0: yeah well it's out there i mean there's free stuff so uh if you want it you gotta you gotta work for it a little
1: yeah it's not too bad i honestly i don't think i have two-factor authentication maybe i just got grandfathered in or something
0: well no they just recently did it it's Ah, like for the new games they're starting to pull that
1: Um, I also, it keeps telling me that I have like 15 friend requests on there. And I'm like, from who? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Somebody got your information. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck's trying to be my friend on here? It's weird. (laughs) I don't Um, even have 15 friends. (laughs) I barely know 15 people and they mostly hate me. So um, so now it's on to some new stuff. Our first eight items of new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that FPS Ion Fury by Point is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 14th. I, I want to bring something up and I understand that it's kind of annoying that I'm going to do so. But it is interesting that this game is coming to the Nintendo Switch, a typically family-friendly platform, when... At a time, they were criticized for having racial slurs in their game. So, yeah. Uh, the game. They were hidden, though. So I guess that's kind of like a little tidbit you got to know is that you had to, like, clip behind a
0: wall. Yeah, kids would never find that. <laughs> They're like, I'm not worried about it. It's not like kids break games all the time. Nah, like, nah, they don't know how to do things. They're too dumb. No big deal.
1: I mean, it's also the game that got sued by Iron Maiden because it had, like, a similar name and they had to change it to ion fury instead of ion maiden which is so hilarious <laughs> good times uh the retro beat-em-up jay and silent ball bob <laughs> mall brawl oh, it got me that... mixed up because i looked at bob and then mall and it was ball that is a tongue twister <laughs> i mean most balls i imagine are pretty silent uh wow that's a good one you know yeah uh so i just, I don't know why. I thought for some reason that you might have taken that as a joke, but it wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Uh, by Interbang Entertainment and Spoony Bard Productions is Ooh. headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 7th. That 8 bit platformer Mushroom Heroes is headed to the Nintendo Switch on April 30th. I did not list a developer on that because I literally have no fucking idea. <laughs> I tried to go, this game isn't available on Steam or anything. And when I tried to look it up, there was like a name on Google, but I don't trust Google that much. Mm. So I try to go to the platforms. Like, specifically, like, the stores. And when you click on Nintendo stores, there is no developer. It was blank. Hmm. The section wasn't even there. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, that game is on Nintendo Switch. It looks interesting. Well, all right, then. <laughs> um, that racing game, Lonely Mountain Downhill, uh, by Megagon Industries, is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 7th. That game looks dope. Um, I want to play it. Uh, that adventure game Spirit of the North by Infuse Studio is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 7th that 3D platformer Mail Mole, gotta love that name uh, by Tulpa Games and Undercoders is headed to PC and Nintendo Switch sometime this summer, that action and adventure game The Persistence by Firesprite Ltd is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 21st that one's actually kind of interesting because it was a VR game beforehand and now it's coming to the Nintendo Switch, Hmm. I doubt for like a labo reason i think you could just play it but it is pretty cool um and lastly the survival horror game monstrum by team junkfish is headed to the nintendo switch on may 22nd we actually talked about monstrum last week because the uh physical copies of it are being delayed so there you go at least you could buy it on nintendo switch digitally that's pretty nice Yay, big boy. Oh, and I remembered at the end of that news article, um, it didn't say the dates, so they must have just announced the date for Monstrum. Wow. Pretty cool. Uh, now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that Google Stadia has a new exclusive game, a uh, monk. what? A monk. What just happened? <laughs> Amongst its library, that being co-op puzzler Get Packed by Moonshine Games. Now, I'm not saying... <laughs> That that game is in all related or is very similar to the next game we're going to talk about. Hmm. But it's kind of uncanny. I guess it's the same feeling that people get when looking at Enchanted Portals, but whatever. <laughs> um, and to round out the group, over on GameSpot, it's reported that Co-op Puzzler uh, moving out by SMG Studio and DVM Games not only is available right now on all platforms, but uh, as it's uh, sorry i wrote this in a really weird way and i don't know why i did i even read it out loud and like for some reason i like had some sort of stockholm syndrome where i was like no you're not a little dumb dumb it's totally fine (laughs) shouldn't have listened to myself i am an idiot uh it's also on xbox game pass so you can play that bad boy on there i don't know if it's on xbox game pass pc (laughs) i have no idea typically that's not said in articles and it's kind I of wish annoying. they
0: would because it's always a struggle when i get excited and then go and find out i can't actually play it <laughs> what was it like last week that you, journey, talking to about, the savage, you guys- journey to a savage planet <laughs> that's awesome. i was so excited to play that game i was like <laughs> yes i can finally do it and then they were like nope you're like really dude Aha, really got him couldn't have said that
1: yeah tough <laughs> tough Ah, uh, And lastly, that a new update uh, has just come out for Motion Twins Dead Cells. Uh, Dead's, yeah, sorry. I mixed myself up. Uh, that includes a bunch of new enemies, skills, outfits, and more. The game is consistently updating and its absolutely Just keeps going. Which is pretty nice, because it's like, hey. Okay, I do want to ask you a question before we hop into God Bless the Crowd. There is kind of a sentiment about, like, instead of uh like people thought this about uh i believe it was shovel knight where they did all of their whole like their kickstarter stuff they ended up living up to it which took a really long time so shovel knight ended up coming out years um before when the game was actually finished due to all the dlc content what is your idea of them like similar to like a hollow knight and hollow knight silk song thing where instead of doing the like kickstarted stuff as dlc on the first game then releasing it as a second game entirely kind of like making it into a sequel but of course hollow knight is different because uh the like stretch goal was that you got to play as a hornet in hollow knight versus like they instead took that and expanded on it or making a whole other game right what is your thing like do you think that they should just make a sequel or do you think that they should for years after uh with the possibility of games, like, losing their kind of, like, luster, like, losing this faith with the community, uh, instead living up to this DLC promise.
0: Are you saying for Dead Cells specifically?
1: No, I just thought about Dead Cells specifically because of, like, it's constantly yeah, so being updating. updated. Yeah. Do you think that they should, like, continue with Dead Cells until, like, in a sense, like, it won't ever be forgotten, but until it's kind of, like, waned from public consciousness and then make a sequel? Mm. Or do you think that they should... Like, just kind of, like, hold back on updates and make a sequel because people already love that game.
0: I think they should do it until they don't feel inspired Um, for the sake of developing something. Um, As an independent developer, they should, you know, they should know when it's time to stop because they're not producing content that is the higher level quality than when they first started. Um, that being said, to go back to the original question of should they do uh, you know a Dead Cells two versus Dead Cells DLC, I think it's very dependent on the type of game. I think it doesn't make as much sense with Dead Cells because like I don't know that there's as much lore that it makes sense from Dead Cells point of view to make a second one as opposed to just new areas. Um, whereas I think it makes a lot more sense with. You know, uh, something like Silk Song because it's an entirely different character. Like to that point, I think that Shovel Knight and and they did this, but they just made that Treasure Trove pack. Like they could have made just all separate games, which you know they they did take that route. But they also made the Treasure Trove pack where they then shoved every game in it, and I have no idea why anyone would buy the game separately because they're almost the same price as the giant collection. Like, but. but that being said, like I think that's the way to go if you're doing something in a way where the gameplay offers something that takes a step away from the original. If not, it's like... It doesn't make as much sense. Now, with something like Rogue Legacy, which we just... I was actually going to yeah, bring that up. With something <laughs> with like Rogue Legacy, that's a return to form, but they also haven't had any DLC in years. This game has not been talked about in a long time. The developer never touched it. So I think it makes more sense from that kind of standpoint. If if Dead Cells, like the, the developer of Dead Cells, just decided at one day, like, you know what, we're going to stop working on this. And they just went silent. And then come two years later if they were like hey we're doing dlc i would be like why didn't you just make dud cells 2 you know what i mean like i think it's i think it's timing and the actual change of like the mechanics inside the game or the the i don't want to say setting but more or less the persona that you're playing as yeah
1: yeah i i definitely understand i like i i felt kind of weird when the argument has come up like specifically i believe they were talking about rogue legacy where it was like why did they wait so long to make a sequel to it when like kind of like rogue legacy was a big big game when it first came out but waiting so long like not many people might have played it now or like
0: it's like it, it it's not necessarily like what am I trying to say? It's not... It's not... It, it doesn't have as much hype around it. It doesn't have as much... Uh, you know, there's there's people who have played that game back in the day where that could have been their favorite game and now they've played other games and it's not as big of a deal to them because, like, that's kind of where I stand is, like, I played that as one of my first um, roguelike games and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is so different. This is something that's so unique of having that person who's constantly changing and playing the lineage you know going through that and there is obviously as i've played i'm a big uh pursuer of the rogue like franchise like that genre not franchise but that genre um i played a lot of games and i know that rogue legacy definitely has you know uh aged a bit that being said i'm still super excited for it i still really want to see it because i had a lot of love for it and i think even though they took that break i don't think it's a bad thing because if they came out right away i don't think it would have had the same um positive and granted we haven't gotten to the game actually coming out so maybe it's a flop but like i don't think it would have done as well coming out right after because it might have been that you know that argument of like oh this is just more of the same you know yeah it would be like too much too soon where like we have kind of played
1: a lot of roguelike games since and now that they've become so like popular there's so many of them that now you see like rogue legacy coming out and you have that
0: hankering to play it because you know what the last one was right. like and then you, you have that basis and it also gives them time to reflect on how the genre has evolved as a whole like it'd be interesting to see what they're going to use as far as you know different roguelike elements that have popped up over time and how things have progressed, you know, are they going to do something like a more item-based system and more, you know, randomized uh, power-up system that we get from something like a Binding of Isaac or an Undermine? Are they going to do, you know, a more story-driven approach, like something with, um, I'm forgetting the, God, what is the... What is the roguelike called? Uh, Children of Morda. Like, are they going to do something like that where, you know, different things while you're playing in the game can affect the world around you and how the, the castle changed? Something to that nature. Like, we don't know what type of elements they're going to bring that might have not been instilled into the game if the genre wasn't as flushed out, uh, fleshed out as it is now.
1: Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see, and this is, of course, like, probably not the case, but it would be so interesting to see if, like, Cellar Door was possibly, um, like, they were planning on a rogue like, they were planning on a Rogue Legacy sequel soon after the release, but then saw, like, a bunch of games emerging and didn't want to be put in, like, with the lump sum, and what the game might have changed, like, I this is all just a hypothetical saying right, that course. they might have wanted to make a sequel earlier, but if they did, seeing what that game was like then, if it was more close to Rogue Legacy, and then seeing like how you're talking about seeing if they incorporated other gameplay mechanics that have become much more popular nowadays. Right, exactly. That would be so interesting to see the difference between the two. Like, if they had two completely different builds, and you're like, oh, I see how this has become this because of this. Right. Like, because of this outside source. Yeah. yeah. That would have been really cool. Um. But, of course, that's all just a hypothetical, but our Next segment is not. Uh, this is God bless the crowd because we're blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that we've got to give back in God bless the crowd. We hop in to all sorts of crowdfunding sites, find some awesome indie games to talk about, and we do just so. Of course, it's Big Josh Boy who does that. I don't fucking do
0: that. I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna take priority for that. So <laughs> I'm not gonna say I did that. You gotta, you gotta look through uh, a lot of really, really uh, negative looking campaigns to find some of the good yes. ones i believe it
1: i 100 percent do yeah. that's
0: why i'm glad that like we see the cream of the crop most of
1: the time sometimes you throw one at me and it's just because you think it's funny <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but that's good content you know
1: <laughs> yeah you're like do it for the views um <laughs> This one is actually kind of interesting. So it's over on Fig. We've had only a couple campaigns over on Fig, but it's also because of the way they do them. It's not like Kickstarter like we talked in the past, how Kickstarter does like quantity. And I I don't mean this as an insult, but it's like quantity over quality versus Fig is like quality over quantity. Yes. So um, this one is Frozen Flame. It's over on Fig. Um, It still has 21 days and 18 hours left. What's so interesting about this is I was actually I follow Fig on Instagram. I f- saw this game two days ago, and I checked out its Fig campaign because I thought it looked really cool and its art style kind of like reminded me in a sense. Like it's not a one to one comparison, but reminded me of WildStar, which I talked about when
0: like Dauntless
1: was first being shown, reminded it, me of WildStar. So that's
0: that's kind of funny because I looked at this and I was like, oh, this kind of looks like Dauntless.
1: Yeah, exactly. It has a very similar art style, and like that brought me into it. So I clicked on the page, and when I first looked at it, this didn't actually have much funding. It had like a couple thousand dollars, yeah. but now looking at it, like two days later, it has $39,035 out of a $50,000 goal. So there's 78% of their goal, and they still have 28 days left. This is going to be awesome. I hope it gets funded so badly. I what i thought about funding it um i thought about getting like doing a, a pledge when they first had their like they had their early bird one that was only 25 dollars instead of 30 i believe mm-hmm. um but i decided not to mostly because i was hoping to get one of like how the unexplored like offered you the game immediately i was kind of like I just didn't want to have to wait for it, which is kind of dumb, but I just wanted that instant gratification. But this game is only, like, their estimated delivery date is Q4 of 2020, so it's not super far away. But what do you think of uh, Frozen Flame over on Fig? And I should say it's a, like, a, a multiplayer survival game. Right. Uh, Like a multiplayer survival game with RPG elements is, I think, how they describe it. Yeah,
0: which made me instantly think of uh, a weird mix-up of Fallout 76 and Monster Hunter. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't think that because I 100% did. Yeah. So, um, one, this goes against uh, a lot of the, the genre or mechanics that I enjoy so it's not really a game that's for me but when i saw this i thought more of this would be something that's cool for you um specifically i i hate survival games um i just i i i don't enjoy the the thought of having to think about eating and drinking constantly in a game where i'm like why can't i just play the game honestly that has become much more of a thing for me where it's
1: like i like i now want to go back and play fallout new vegas with all of the like stupid ass um like the, the hardcore, hardcore mode it, where yeah. you have to eat and drink for some reason that has become something that i have enjoyed like oh, now god no
0: i hate it that's uh one of my biggest gripes the fallout 76 but um Uh, But honestly, though, like taking that aside, because I I don't know what element of like survival really goes into this game. The game does look like uh, a very interesting MMO, uh, almost, of of it being a monster hunter that's actually a monster hunter. So one of the things like when I because I played monster hunter recently and I wasn't as like blown away just because one they're and this is going to be a rant but like one their their system of playing with others is awful because for some reason you have to watch these I stupid hate cut it, scenes and you can't actually play with friends until you beat the game and then it's like okay now you can fight the same monsters you did and i'm like i didn't want to do that i wanted to play with them anyway and your friends can steal your lives if they die they take from your life pool it's so fucking annoying <laughs> so basically um it just sounds like a better version of that in the sense that like you'll be able to play with people, which was always like shocking to me that I bought that game. And then I was like, great. I wasted my money because I didn't want this. Um, but that being said, and there's probably people who are, like, really mad at me now for that. But that being said, like, <laughs> I think it is interesting getting that element of being able to, to play this this um, this type of game where you're constantly fighting these different monsters and the world around you. What, what interests me about this game is they're going to have, uh, I forget what they call them, like apocalypse or something um, specific. It's some word that basically equates to what Fallout, or not Fallout, what... Um, Fortnite does where they do those seasons. It's a like cataclysm. Yeah, okay, they call it cataclysm, which is basically like the world destroying itself and rebuilding it. So kinda like the Fortnite, how it, it'll like shut itself down and it's like, now the world's different kind of a thing. So like they're going to have this game where you're playing it and things will progress over time, which makes it something interesting to wanna, you know, reel you back in and actually play with that small group of of friends or that community that you find within this game and play and beat these different monsters I think that the gameplay to it is um it seems very similar to almost a souls-esque of having that that weight to it um which is is fine for this type of setting um and for me although it's not something that I'm like chomping at the bits to play it's one that I'm going to keep an eye on just because some of it to me seems very interesting, at least from the world perspective. Um, but I don't know if this is really a, a my style kind of game, is my long winded answer. <laughs> One thing that I love, like I
1: really, really love about it and that I want included in more games, which they do in a lot of these like survival craft games um, or like multiplayer survival craft ones is being able to build your house within the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. Instead of having like an instance with your house in it, similar to like uh, Final Fantasy XIV does that, um, A Realm Reborn, where like you go into an instance and that's where your housing is and you buy housing plots. That's kind of like... A whole reason that, like, they, uh, it's so interesting the way their housing system works is, is, like, you have to play the game. And if a certain amount of time goes without you playing it, they sell your plot of land. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like because of the coronavirus and people like having issues they kind of like furloughed that so you didn't have to play the game they just said like oh you don't have to worry about your house being sold but um that was just a random thing i wanted to say because i think that's really cool that they did that <laughs> but um i just think it's so cool it makes you feel like like a real part of the world when you can make your homestead like i think making homes is so cool it's like really making a permanent like a stamp like I was here because I got to make my house, um, on this land and it shows like a bit of creativity. Mm. And I also think it's so much cooler when you get to make it just in this wide open space, because then just anybody could run across it and you get to look at other people's houses and stuff. I think that's so awesome. The only thing I don't somewhat like about it is that this game has seemingly a very similar, um, like a very similar, uh system as like Ark survival evolved where as you level you put points into different like like templates which then allow you to build different items and stuff like that including like pieces of your house which i understand why they do that and it works uh in arc it's just kind of annoying mm-hmm. um and it's not my favorite <laughs> uh but i do think this game looks really really cool um I hope there's a little bit of like polishing done by the time the game actually comes out because before the podcast we were talking about this and it's like if you look at the capes the like items on your back will clip through the cape and the cape like when you fly in a glider it clips through your body so it looks almost horizontal where your body is vertical and it looks like it's stabbing you it looks very weird um but i think this game looks really really cool i love its art style i think its combat looks awesome i'm interested to see if it's like i need to watch the gameplay trailer again to see if it's more closely rese- resembling the souls like where you really have to worry about your stamina pool um but yeah this game looks awesome i'm i'm not gonna back it mostly just because right now like i have to kind of like I need to save money and the, the money I want to spend on games. I want to play them now. That's why like, mm-hmm. if this did have like even an early access beta kind of a thing, I would be into that. I would totally back it. Um, but for right now I'm going to hold off, especially if it's coming out in Q4. Um, but it's hundred percent something I'm going to keep my eye on. I'm going to add wish wishlist on steam. I'm going to do anything. This game looks dope.
0: <laughs> well, When it comes out,
1: we'll talk about it. I really like they have a lot of money, but while like looking at their backers, I'm like, how? And I was just really wanted to know and then I forgot that they have like an investment. Yeah, yeah. So So. there's a
0: bunch more people investing than there are people pledging. Which is normal for Fig, but the Is it really? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because Huh. Because when you're investing the um the point of entry is much higher than pledging would be yeah that's why i would think that it like that you would see more people pledging than investing so like to get in to invest uh, so a price per share generally is a thousand dollars
1: that's so interesting The more people invest then yeah huh but i mean you can also like if the game makes money you can like make, make money, money too, as well, yeah. right yeah exactly it is an investment yeah
0: every every quarter they give you like a certain share uh, amount um i forget exactly how the math works but it's basically at the end of that quarter they'll give you a percentage based on how many shares you have and how well the game is doing um and so like an investment, like, even when you look at this, like, uh, when you look at the breakdown, you're seeing that, hey, uh, 34000 are in FIG funds, meaning $34,000 have been invested. So, like, that could be one person. <laughs> you know what I find so
1: interesting when you think of FIG is that, like, FIG is kind of the equivalent of indie games in the larger, like, game space of, like, investment opportunities because... Like typically, when you think of investments, you think of investing in large or small companies, but those that are public mm-hmm. um that like you make money off of like trading stocks and everything, but it's not something that's very common in the game space where like fig allows you to do that, but just like anybody with a thousand dollars can do it kind of a thing like obviously not, right. but it's it's kind of like a more accessible version of investing in video games because if you wanted to invest in video games but you didn't want to develop them you would have to like invest in a studio itself and you would have to possibly like invest in talent and stuff like Mm -hmm. that in a workspace Um, And it would cost so much more money than, like, making what is, like, a small investment on FIG um, for the most part, like, at times. I think that's so interesting. Like, I didn't know that. And I I think it's so cool what FIG is doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but it's, it's one of the reasons why, like you said, it's... Your comparison, uh, comparison of quantity versus quality with relation to thinking about Kickstarter is because with Fig, these games are actually, you have to like pitch these games to Fig. Like you can't uh, just decide I'm going to go on Fig and I'm just going to put my project out there. With Kickstarter, you can do that. Like That's the whole point of Kickstarter is that it's a crowdfunded of just like, I have an idea, here's my idea, people give me money. With Fig, you have to actually go through the, the, the team there and be like, this is my idea, this is why I want to do this. And Fig being like, yeah, that's approved, we're on board with it and we're going yeah, to help you because they become the publishing company for you
1: yeah you have to prove that in a sense like you have to prove to them your game can make money versus on Kickstarter you just like kind of hope right exactly that it'll make money like it can fail and it's not a big deal mm-hmm. yeah that's so interesting fig is so cool like I'm so glad that we started doing this segment because I never would have known about fig otherwise <laughs> man and this game looks dope um any last uh any last like little bits you want to say about frozen flame uh no I think we covered uh everything from my side. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, we do not have any questions, so we're not going to move in to our questions. All the questions It's at? so weird. We haven't not had questions in, like, months. Yeah. We've had at least, like, one. It was very interesting. It's also not a bad thing because uh, how far are we into this? You know, an hour and 51 minutes without questions. That's so. true. That is true. Glad we didn't have questions, I guess. <laughs> um, we inadvertently filled this space with discussion, mm-hmm.
0: so it was a it was a talky kind of episode you know
1: that it was but the episode has now come to an end thanks everyone for listening if you like to uh talk with us outside the show you can follow the podcast itself at indiepod on twitter super easy uh to follow i try to tweet about like um i'm trying to retweet like the indie world the nintendo indie world news so you know more about indie games and stuff like that i'm trying to keep more on it you can of course look out for a question tweet that we send out each and every monday with reminders on tuesdays and wednesdays um josh and i were talking about trying to include in our our reminder tweets um stuff about like the news we're gonna talk about so people can ask relevant questions to the news and i'm gonna try to make sure i do that um starting next week because i think that would be really cool um to get kind of your guys's uh or everyone's opinions on the like news just in our questions mm-hmm. so that would be really cool um but you can follow me outside the show at Hyde Legion on Twitter. You could follow Josh at the underscore George ninety. Um, any like anything you want to pimp out? You did just do an interview with the team behind Enchanted Portals over on Parallax Media.
0: Yeah, um, I mean that's pretty much it. <laughs> but okay. but yeah, uh, for anyone interested in that question that we kind of raised last episode of, I wonder what happened with the publishing company for Enchanted Portals and why they now started their Kickstarter and originally like almost canceled, uh, the first time. Uh, it would, all of that is in that interview. Uh, it's a really interesting read. Go over there and check it out if you're interested. Um, I'm glad I reached out cause it, uh, gave me some insight in how sometimes publishing companies can be really shady and kind of shitty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. Like how, I would I'm not going to like give anything away but it's very interesting how it seems like whoever this publishing partner was seemingly was trying to like prey upon them. Yeah. It's it's odd, but that's just a little bit of a teaser. Make sure you guys go read it. It's a very good article. I very much enjoyed it. Um and I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I love Big Josh boy. It is a good article. Thanks, baby. It's a good interview um if you'd like to check out my stuff outside the show i do have multiple other podcasts i've got uh go beyond my hair academia podcasts um we are up to episode four at the moment it airs each and every wednesday uh chris penwell and i friend of the show we run through each and every episode of my hair academia love it love the show love the podcast it's awesome um coming up in the coming weeks I will finally be airing our media review podcast that I do with a couple of friends of mine called The Thick of It. Um, it's very stupid. Um, <laughs> but I am enjoying it. It's kind of like I'm, I try to be very prepared for the other podcasts I do um, because of my lack of overall charisma and kind of being an idiot. But with <laughs> The Thick of It, it's kind of just us having fun talking about the movies. It's It's kind of weird in the beginning. Um, The first two episodes are kind of like me trying to be overprepared. But then after that, we're just like, fuck it. These movies are stupid. Let's just talk about shitty Mark Wahlberg movies. So... Keep an eye out for those Dope. ones. Uh, for that one, it's coming up pretty soon. Uh, you can follow that podcast at Thick Pod oh, uh, or Thick Podcast. Not even joking. It's Thick Podcast on Twitter. T H I C C Podcast on Twitter. Wow. We still don't know how we got there. That. Yeah, Nobody that's, has that's it. great. <laughs> Especially because there's a podcast called The Thick Podcast.
0: Damn, they're slacking.
1: I'm like, you'd missed out missed out on that one i was like the only way we're gonna make money from this is selling that twitter handle yeah right just <laughs> letting you guys know um and then of course make sure you check out Eldar talks games industry um i talked about it earlier in the show it's a monthly podcast uh, that i do with Eldar basic he's a great guy and i love talking to him uh our next podcast coming up next month and that one is actually about the community and uh the like the conception of souls like games so I'm excited to do that one. But uh, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Um, Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week because we won't see you. (laughs) Nope. That is very true.
0: Bye, everyone.